what we we're going to continue what we started last week and that is wisdom for finances all right so wisdom for finances we're continuing what we started last week wisdom for finances and last week we started by talking about um the fact that in the kingdom of god um finances is dealt with on the basis of stewardship and we're going to emphasize that even today as we proceed uh, but just to retreat what we started with last week that when we talk about finances we talk about it from the perspective of stewardship not from the perspective of an of ownership or from the perspective of control we talk about finances from the perspective of stewardship all right and we said there are three things we wanted to look at specifically under stewardship i wanted to start with contentment which is what we looked at last week and contentment because if god will expand us right financially if god will multiply us then um the state of our heart has to be correct and the appropriate state of the human heart to accommodate the resources of God is a content heart. That means a heart whose disposition doesn't change based on the amount of money that is present. A heart who, um, a heart that is, that is confident in who they are in Christ, right? And not in how much they have or they, they do not have. A heart that doesn't desire uh, money above God, a heart that puts money in its appropriate place. That is the kind of heart that God is looking for, for him to channel resources through. And that's why we started off with contentment. And what we did last week was just look at um, several scriptures that spoke, or that speak rather about contentment. And then we saw how to apply that in our lives. And um, ultimately, we we looked at I mean just we shared and people gave their own ex, um, understanding and their own experiences how to deal with um, with lack of contentment how to deal with greed and to be honest there are times when the enemy comes and begins to whisper some things to you um, things like oh look at your friend you both finished from school together and now she has a better job than you or look at this your friend um, you both applied to the company now he has they promoted him twice and you're not promoted uh, or look at that your friend and um, uh, she's she's married now with her children and you, you are still single you know those kind of things can begin to breed um, discontent in the heart of, of a person and we need to be aware of that so that we can guard our hearts against it and deal with it as it comes. In fact, one thing we pointed out last week was the fact that um, competition or, or com uh, yeah, competition or discontentment, right, typically comes from when people you know or people around you seem to be doing better than you or seem to be to have something that you do not have. And I said, if you if I come to tell you that there's someone called um james singh van soon and the person just bought a new house it doesn't mean anything to you really because for as much as you care that person may not exist or uh that you don't know who that person is but if i come and tell you that uh, that that your friend in in school that both of you finished from um university together and you say oh yes 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 i remember him and he says okay that person do you know he just bought his house something will move in your heart because you know the person you you have a relationship or you can relate with the experience of the person and it's like in in you that context the person might be doing better than you and so um there could be some some form of discontent in your heart and if you're not careful you begin to compete 
silently with that person or begin to want what that person wants, not out of a place of the of a desire to push yourself further in life, but out of a place to have what the person has simply because they have it, you know, and simply because you want to prove that you're better. So we looked at all of that and then how to deal with it. And we ended by saying that um, Thanksgiving is the antidote to, is, is, is the antidote to discontentment. That when you are thankful and you're consistently thankful, it will, it will be impossible for you to be competitive and, you know, um, have that uh, um, nature in your, or, or that um, disposition in your heart when you are thankful, all right? So that's what we did last, last week. And we said that Thanksgiving feels, feels contentment. So today, what I want to look at, the second thing, remember I said there are three things we want to look at. First is contentment. Second thing is um, giving. And the third thing is financial prudence. So today I want to focus on giving and giving as a principle from God for how we deal with finances. You know, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Um, and what that shows is that there, there, there's a system that the world generally accepts. It seems right to the world, but in, from God's perspective, that is not his system. That is not his method. And when it comes to the issue of giving, this is one of such things, one of such things that if, for instance, <clears throat> logically, I want to, I am looking for $10,000, all right? And I need maybe $10,000 to do something, whatever it is. Um, I'm looking for that amount of money. And what, what financial knowledge common financial knowledge tells me is save every single money you get, work two jobs or even three jobs, save every money you get, sell some of your, your things and, you know, accumulate the money. So I work, I'm working two jobs, every money I get, I save it. I, I minimize fat. I don't eat stuff eating twice a day. I just eat maybe once a day and take snacks. All right. And then I go around looking for job and hustling. I'm looking for the money. Every money I get, I save it. Every money I get, I save it. And then somebody comes to me and says, oh, please, I need a um, hundred dollars. I just need to pay for a medical bill or buy some drugs. Very urgent and important. And I tell the person, no, 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 no. You are looking for hundred dollars. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for a thousand dollars. Please, I can't give you hundred dollars now because I'm saving up and I save every penny I get. I save it. I save it. Now, logically, it sounds like it is you eventually reach your goal, which to be honest, you will reach your goal after you after so much hustle and, and turmoil. But there's a method that God has, and it is usually counterintuitive to our logical way of approaching things. And the method is that in the midst of, for instance, in the midst of me trying to save up that money, that ten thousand dollars for what I need for, God now comes to me and says, You know what? Um, Victor, take out. 5,000, let's assume I've saved, I've saved $6,000 so far and I'm happy that, okay, I just have four more thousand to save up. God comes to me and says, take $5,000 and sow it as a seed to your church. First of all, my logical mind is like, is, first I'll say is I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke that voice whispering to me. But then when I probe further and further and I see that he's God, it then doesn't make sense to me because this is me trying to, raised $10,000 and I've, I have true stress, saved up 6,000 and you're coming to tell me to give 5,000. It doesn't make sense, but from God's perspective, that's the wisest thing to do, all right? And we want to look at giving from God's perspective and see how the wisdom behind it. Remember, 
a broad topic is wisdom for finances and want to see how giving is part of God's wisdom for our finances. All right. So we are going to start off with um, a scripture, Mark chapter 10, verse 23. Mark chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. The gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. All right, let me read it. It says, And Jesus looked unto his disciples, and Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now, for context, um, a young, a young rich ruler had come to meet Jesus. Okay, and this guy was described by three adjectives. He was young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. So he was everything everyone admired, okay, because um, he had accomplishments at an early age. And this is what people typically admire. You look at somebody maybe at the age of 30 and the person already has like several companies. He's um, very wealthy. He's recognized in the society. He has a position. So everybody just really admire this kind of a man, okay? So the man came to Jesus and says, what can, shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus Christ says, you know what? Obey the commandments. Um, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not hate, thou shalt love the love, Lord your God, and all of that. And the man, the, the guy said, I have kept this right from my days of youth. Then Jesus Christ said, looked at him and loved him. And he said, one more thing re is required of you. So after having done every other thing, just think about this, right? Let's, let's even believe that he has done, he has kept all the commandments from the days of his youth as he claimed. So he had done everything correct. This is the kind of child everybody wants. He's the, like the perfect citizen in the society. Everything he has done perfectly. But Jesus Christ said, there's one more thing that is missing. So Jesus Christ told him and said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. And that's where, you know, he, Jesus lost him. He lost him at that point because he had so much riches. And not just that he had so much riches, but that he trusted so much in his riches. And that instruction reveals to us where he placed his trust. So now let's go to verse 23 where we're reading and see Jesus's response to this. Jesus Christ made a very bold statement, but also a very clear statement. He said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? In other words, he was saying it is difficult for those that have riches to enter the kingdom of God. You know, so if Jesus Christ had stopped here, it would have left, like there would have been a lot of confusion because how then will you, will you now say rich people cannot be saved? Or will you say rich people will not make heaven? Or will you say rich people will not enter into the things of God? What, what really is going on? So he clarified it in the next verses. He said, verse, verse 24 says, And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus Christ explained what he meant. He said, it is very difficult for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. And this is where the, the, the crux of the matter is, that God doesn't have a problem with you having money. Like I said last week, God has a problem with money having you. God doesn't, isn't really bothered by how much money you have. He's bothered by where you place your trust in. And of so many things, right, the Bible identifies that money 
is one of the main things that human beings can put their trust in. So even if you say, okay, well, well, some people put their trust in their connection. Why do they put their trust in connection? It's likely because of the, because the person has money, influence and money, usually so. And so Jesus Christ was highlighting that those who trust in riches, and this is where, see, if you understand this, you'd, you'd, your heart will be in the right position to accommodate what God, is, God has prepared for you. The problem, I say it again, is not money. You can have a billion dollars in your account and God is not moved. But you can have... A hundred thousand in your, in your account and God is, is worried for you. The reason is because you have put your trust in the hundred thousand. Whereas somebody else that has maybe a billion doesn't put his, his trust in, in, that, in the billions, but still puts his trust in God. So God doesn't have a problem with that person. But if the person that has a hundred thousand puts his trust in that person and puts his trust in that money rather, then God has a problem with that person. So again, the issue is not the amount of money. The issue is where do you put your trust? And this is what Jesus Christ was saying, that how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. So the things that God wants us to enter into, financially speaking now, um, it will be difficult for us to enter into them if we put our trust in riches. In fact, look how the next verse says. It says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And of course, you know here, when it says when it talks about a rich man, it's not necessarily, it's not saying just a person who has money, but a person who trusts in money, that it is usually difficult for such a person to enter into the kingdom of God because they have placed their trust in money. And you know, the Bible says that among the Ten Commandments, that you shall serve no other God than me, all right? Um, and Jesus Christ had repeated that even when he came, he says, you shall serve the Lord your God only, and, and he alone shall you serve, all right? When Jesus, when the, when the devil came to tempt him to bow down and worship worship him. Um, so what that means is no other thing is permitted to take the position of God in our lives. And money, I mean, you, you probably already have enough examples, but just to say, tell you that money is one of the things that can easily take the place of God in people's lives. And for that reason, God will not allow you have the kind of money that will replace him in your life. If you are going to follow God, if you decide to not follow God and get money any other ways, I mean, you're already out of alignment with God. But if you are going to receive the blessing that comes from God, the blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow, then God is first going to to adjust the parameters of your heart. He's going to adjust the, the temperature of your heart towards money such that no amount of money would replace him in your life, okay? So again, just to, to lay a foundation as we did last week, that issue is not you having money. The issue is where you place your trust in, all right? Okay, so um, let's read another scripture as we proceed further. Genesis chapter 12, verse one, uh, one to three. Genesis chapter 12, I was about to say the gospel of Genesis. Genesis chapter, chapter 12, verse one to three. Um, please feel free to read if you are there. Uh, this will be for those of us on the Zoom. If you're there before me, go ahead and read. Genesis chapter one, chapter 12, sorry, verse one uh, to three. I want to open from a particular translation. Okay. All right, let me read for us. So I'm reading from the King James Version first. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Abraham, 
Get thee out of your out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee. So God's promise to Abraham was, I would bless thee. Then he says, and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I shall bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. All right. And he says, um, and in thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's promise to Abraham was, I would bless thee and make you a blessing. Um, and this is where I want us to begin with on the topic of giving, that God's promise was not just to bless Abraham, but to bless Abraham and make him a blessing. So there are two things, one to be blessed and then two to be a blessing, meaning that when God blesses you, the consequent result is to bless others. And in fact, the reason why God blesses you is so that you can be a blessing to others. And that's why, again, it comes to the issue of the heart, that if you have not accepted the ideology of being a blessing to others, you'll be very limited in the blessing that comes to you. In fact, let me read this from... Um, from Amplified Amplified Bible. Give me a minute, please. Let me turn to Amplified, Amplified Bible. All right, Amplified Version. This is Amplified Classic. It says, it says verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you who confer prosperity and happiness upon you and curse him who curses or uses insolent, insolent language towards you. Then he says, in you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed and by you, they will bless themselves. Sorry, this is uh, verse three. I'm supposed to read verse two. Uh, verse two is my emphasis. Okay, sorry, let me read verse two, please. He says, and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. That's my emphasis. It says you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. So God's idea is that we are not only blessed, but that we are dispensing goods to others. So the question is, have you prepared your heart to dispense goods to others? Um, if you have one, then it be difficult, in fact, impossible to accommodate the blessing that God has prepared for you, all right? So this is the whole idea of giving, that we're giving because it is part of God's um, design and part of God's expectation as he blesses us. In fact, it is part of the requirement before God releases or entrusts us with financial, with finances or financial resources, all right? Um, so let's read another scripture to, to uh, portray this. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. First, <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. All right? <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul was saying something very powerful here. He said, for who makes you differ from another, all right? Or what makes you different from another? Then he goes on to say, and what do you have 
that you did not receive? What did you have that you did not receive? And this launches us into the mindset of stewardship for the believer. Remember, I started off by saying that when we talk about finances for the believer, it is always from a standpoint of stewardship, not from the standpoint of ownership. So Paul here was saying that, what do you have that you did not receive? He says, now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? In other words, if what you have, you actually received it, why are you bragging? Why are you raising your shoulders as though you did not receive it? What Paul was trying to say is that if the person that gave it to you did not give it to you, you will not even have anything to boast of in the first place. So when it comes to resources or finances, there's no reason to brag and to boast because it is received. Finances is received. And this is the whole principle of stewardship. All right. And I said here that Everything you have is received, and you must have this mindset. Everything you have is received. Even when you go to work and they pay you your salary, the Bible is telling us that the mindset you must have is even your salary that you pay, that, that is paid to you rather, and you worked for, it is received, and you must treat it as a gift that is received from God. So everything you have is received. This is what Apostle Paul is saying. And this is the um, mindset and idea that we must have towards finances. So I said here that the principle of stewardship states that everything you have has been received from God and should be treated as a gift from God. This is the principle of stewardship. Everything you have you, is received from God. Everything you have. I know you, you worked um, um, 30 days in a month and they paid you a salary and you're excited. But the way you treat that money is that you received it from God. And if you have this mindset, right, you'll find out that there is no there is no opportunity to brag because it is received. There's no opportunity to boast because it is received. There's no opportunity to spend your money carelessly because you received it. It's not your money. It is God's money entrusted into your hands. Again, somebody saying, but Victor, I worked for this money. What are you saying? I, I did overtime for this money. And I say, yes, you did. And you tell me, yes. And because of my overtime, they paid me. And I tell you, yes, they paid you because you worked. You say, well, Victor, I, I took a, a six-month course. And after the course, I got promoted in my, in my place of job. And I say, yes, that is true. And I'll still tell you that even that promotion you think you rightfully earned was not end on your strength if you received it. And the simple reason is this. That the very breath in your mouth, in your nostrils, the breath you are breathing in, and to say, I read, I read for this, I read for this job. I I slept, I did in fact four nights, I did not sleep. I was reading. The air you were breathing when you were reading, when you were reading, it was God that supplied that air. If God decided to not supply the air, we'll not be having this conversation at this point. So Having established that everything you have is received from God and you must treat it that way. And like I said, once you have this mindset, there's no opportunity to boast. That's why if you look at real rich people that God, you know, that, that grew, that God multiplied, right? Not people that got their money anyhow, people that God multiplied. You find out that there's a sense of humility they have towards their resources because they know that it was received from God. And this is the principle of stewardship. Stewardship here means that what you, what is in your possession is not your own. 
it was given to you by someone else, you received it. So even though it is in your possession, you are not the owner, you are the steward of it. A good um, analogy or an explanation to help to drive this point is a caretaker. Um, a caretaker does, is not the person that owns the house, but is the person that the landlord entrusted the house into to take care of the house. It's the same way also when it comes to resources, we are caretakers. I, I, you know, I said again, you may say, oh, I did business and I got profit. You are still a caretaker of that, of, of that money. And we must treat it in that way. So when we look at resources from that perspective, it will now make sense to give because what you have is not really your own. You are just a steward of it. So if God decides to, to instruct you to give to someone, it will not be difficult for you to do so because you are not the owner, you are the steward. The real owner just came to give direction. It's like, again, the caretaker, he's just take, watching over the house. If the landlord says, um, I want Mr. A and B, Mr. A, B to come and stay in this, in this house, this, the caretaker doesn't have the power to say, no, no, I don't like Mr. A, B. Uh, because Mr. Ebi is too, he's from, let's say this, from this part of the world. I don't like him. He doesn't have the power to say so because he doesn't own the house. He has to do as the landlord instructs. It is the same way also with our finances. If we see ourselves as caretakers, as stewards of the resources that I that is in our possession, your salary, the proceeds from your business, um, the gifts people give you, whatever it is. If you see yourself as a steward of it, then it will be easy for you to let go when God instructs you to do so, or when the opportunity or the need comes for you to let go of, or part with some money. You it will be easier for you to do so because you are seeing yourself as a steward and not a and not an owner. All right. Okay. So let me just read what I wrote here and we move on. Um, I said again that the principle of the principle of stewardship states that everything you have has been received from God and should be treated as a gift from God. Even if you worked for it, it should be treated as a gift from God because indeed it is. Indeed it is a gift. And just to quote a scripture um, from James chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says, every perfect gift comes from above, comes from God, who is the father of light, with whom there is no shadow of turning. So the Bible says every good and perfect gift, meaning if you have received any gift that is good and perfect, it came from God. You might say, oh, well, I worked for this job or I studied for this job. I went through the interview process. But remember, if the Lord does not um, watch over a house, the watchman watches in vain. If the Lord does not build a city or build a house, the, um, the, the, the builders build in vain. Meaning if the Lord didn't grant you success, your efforts would have been in vain. So bottom line is this, and, and this mindset is super important, knowing that everything you receive is a gift from God. And there's no opportunity to boast about it. Everything you receive is a gift from God, and you must treat it as such, all right? Okay, so just even driving this mindset again, um, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 28. So you, you understand the mindset that God is expecting us to have as believers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 28. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 28. See, if you can understand this mindset, uh, this, is, this is, I believe, one of the biggest changes any believer can make towards finances. Understanding that the money I have or the money that God is, is putting in my, in my hand is not in my hand as an owner. It's in my hand as a steward. And if you have this mindset here, yeah, all the careless spending that believers do, 
right? Careless spending that they just wake up one morning and they see a very nice shoe and then they're just unplanned, go and buy the shoe or they, they just see something they like and without even budgeting or planning, they just spend it. It will stop because you know that the money you are spending is not your own. You can't spend it carelessly. It doesn't mean you can't, you won't take care of yourself or you, you don't take care of yourself. Of course, you will take care of yourself, but you cannot spend carelessly because you are a steward, all right? But yeah, let's look at um on, on, on the topic of giving. On the topic of giving. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, verse 28. Um, hold on, please, just a minute. Where is my Ephesians? Sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, not 2, I beg your pardon. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 4. Um, I don't need. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. It says, let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, walking with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to them that needed or to them that I need. So Paul was admonishing these people that, you know, now that you're, you're a believer, you have to part ways with the things you used to do in the world, lying, cheating, stealing, and all of that. Then Paul goes on specifically and says that the person that used to steal should no longer steal, but rather should find something useful to do with Meaning they should work, they should be productive, they should engage in productive labor. If it's business, if it's, um, if it's, if it's employment, whatever it is, they should do something with their hands, all right? And the reason, look at the reason why Paul, uh, look at the reason Paul gave. Now you would expect that Paul would say, um, stop stealing, rather go and work so that you can earn, earn money to take care of yourself and, you know, increase in your finances. But that's not what Paul said. Not as if that is wrong, but look at the reason that Paul gave, which, which just shows you the mindset that as believers we should have. He says you should work, verse, verse 20, 28 now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, the last part says, work with, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to them that I need. So Paul is in essence saying that the real reason why you should work is so that you have what to give. And it just blows my mind that Paul is not even saying you should work because you should, you should have what you eat and take care of yourself. Of course, that is already a given because Paul already says that he who should not work should not eat, meaning your, your, your work should also take care of your, your needs. But Paul was stressing here that you are not just working to take care of your needs, but you are working so that you have what to give to people. And this is an essential part of our Christianity, an essential part of our finances as believers, that you have to work so that you give. And this is, explains what I was saying earlier, that the mindset, again, is that you are a steward. So even when you earn income from your work, God is expecting that from that income, you should give out to people from that income you should give out to someone or you should give out you know to his kingdom there should be something that leaves your hand from what comes into your hand and we should not be we should not be like the dead sea right the dead sea only receives water but nothing comes out of it and so there, there's no life in the dead sea there's no living thing in the dead sea because nothing comes out of it and the proof of life is that you give a very good example is this no matter how much you are thirsty, eh? you are so thirsty that you finish three liters of water at once. 
no matter how thirsty you are, you will still go and ease yourself at some point in time. Something must leave your body. No matter how much you are, you are panting for air, you say, ah, I need air so much. I want, to, I want to breathe in so much. You breathe in so much air, you must breathe out. If not, you will die. So the normal cycle of life is that you breathe in and you breathe out. And it is the same thing to the normal cycle of finances is that you, money comes into your hands and money must leave your hands. That cycle must be completed for that process must be completed for the cycle to continue. So if money only comes into your hand and money doesn't go out, a time will come where money will stop coming into your hand. And that's the way God designed it for us as believers. And in fact, not just as believers, as a system on the earth. And there are a lot of unbelievers that are practicing this and um, they are, for lack of a better word, they are cashing out while we believers aren't you know, practicing it as much. So God expects that when money comes into our hand, money from it has to go out. And I'm speaking about money specifically because that's the what we're talking about. And this is God's wisdom, by the way. This is God's wisdom for finances. Because when God looks down from, looks on us from heaven, he looks at the person whose hand is open enough to others so that he can put money in that person's hand. You know, from remember I told you that God's perspective for finances, and that should be our perspective, is the perspective of stewardship. And what that means is that we are all channels that money can flow through. So what, what God looks for before he increases a man is how much of money can this man allow to pass through him? You know, one day I was with my, with our marriage counselor and we were having, um, this This was after we got married, we were just talking about different things. I mean, we came to pay them a visit and, you know, just check on them and all of that. And we're just talking about, he began to share his, um, the husband right now, began to share like his story on how, of how God, you know, increased him and all of that. And he said something very powerful that I will never forget. He said that the moment you are, you are able to give a certain amount of money, you have conquered that amount of money. And it just dawned on me so much that your heart, right, can only expand to the extent that you have given out. So if the highest money you've given out is 10,000, 10,000 naira, for instance, even if you may have a million naira in your bank account, your heart has not yet expanded beyond 10,000 naira. And there will be a limit to how much God can allow you have or God can can release into your your possession because your heart has not expanded beyond that ten thousand naira mark. But the moment you begin to stretch yourself and say, "Okay, I'm going to give a hundred thousand naira," the day you give a hundred thousand naira, I assure you that day a hundred thousand becomes very small in your sight. So whatever you give is what you have conquered, and this is a powerful principle. So if you want to stretch your heart right? Stretch your capacity to accommodate. What you should do is not just ne not necessarily stretch your capacity to earn, but first and foremost, stretch your capacity to give. Then you'll see that your capacity to accommodate increases. Because once you give a certain amount of money, or once you practice giving, you'll find out that you've conquered that amount of money. You've conquered that, 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 you've conquered that restrain your heart to give. And once you conquer it, then God can begin to release resources into your hands. And so giving is very, very powerful. It's very spiritual. It's one of the things that God looks at before he multiplies us. All right, he looks at our capacity to give, not our capacity to accommodate money. No, our capacity. See, there are two things majorly God looks at before he blesses people. Number one, capacity to give. And then number two, capacity to manage resources. 
All right. And this is what, what we're going to look at next week. But speaking on giving now, your capacity to give is what God looks at. So God is looking at the person that can allow money flow through his hands to other people. You know, there are some people that, and you, you, we need to understand this. There are some people that because of maybe their upbringing or the, their disposition, no, not disposition, their condition in life, it may be very difficult for some amount of money to get into their hands, but you can get to those people. You can reach those people. So when God wants to bless those people, one of the ways he blesses them is that he looks for the, pers- the people close to those kind of people that can, or let, let, let me take it again. He looks for the person close to those kind of people that can allow money flow through his hands or his or her hands, all right? And then once, once he identifies that person, that person, he blesses that person with resources and then puts a burden in that person's heart for those people. So let's assume there's somebody around me. Let's say there's somebody around my circle. Um, let's call the person Jack, all right? Let's say the person's name is Jack. Let's assume now because the person, Jack, um, maybe the person is not very educated, so he doesn't have so much skill to earn a lot of money, but the person is in need. Let's assume there's a medical medical condition and the person actually needs um, 200,000 naira to pay the medical bills. Now, based on the person's condition, the person is maybe a menial worker. The salary is what, 50,000 naira. Um, based on the person's condition, there are not so many outlets or so many inlets rather for money, for that kind of money to come into the person's hand. So what God does is he looks for who, who around Jack has an open heart enough for me to send that 200,000 naira to, but for Jack, all right? And so let's say God looks around and then God sees my heart and sees that, oh, Victor actually has an open heart. He's, he's willing to give. I've looked at his track record. He gave last month, um, um, three months ago when I needed to give somebody, he gave. Then God now says, okay, let's use Victor. And then God may create an opportunity for me to, you know, do a business deal, for instance. And the business pays me um, 300,000, for instance, as my profit. I get 300,000 as my profit. I'm excited. I thank God. And then while I'm thanking God, God just drops in my heart and says, go and give Jack 200,000. Hey, my heart says, wow, but this is just, this is more than half of my money. But yet I obey. And then I, I obey and I give Jack that money and Jack pays the medical bill. Now God has blessed Jack through my hands. All right. And even though it seems that more than half of my profit has gone to, to meeting somebody's need, but in the sight of heaven, my capacity to 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 receive has increased because my capacity to give has also increased. And God will continue to bless me because I have made myself available. And the idea is this, that the pipe that allows water to flow through it will never will be dry, will never, never be dry. The pipe that allows water to flow through it will never be, th- be dry. And this is the way God looks at us or w- what God considers when he wants to bless us. Our ability to our ability and willingness to um, release money or to let money flow through our hands. All right. So this is really the mindset of the kingdom. Let me read one scripture and then I'll move on from this uh, just because of time. Okay. So Acts chapter 20 verse 35, just still establishing the idea and the mindset we should have as believers towards giving. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. 
All right, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. So it says, um, this again was Apostle Paul speaking. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. He says, I've shown you all things, right? And how that so laboring, meaning from your labor, you should support the weak. And again, this is just God's way of thinking that when you work, you may say, well, I deserve all the income. I can, I deserve to spend the money on myself. After all, I'm the one that, that was in traffic for two hours, going to work every day. I was one that was sweating while I was working. I was one that um, stayed over time and now they've paid me. I deserve to spend the money on myself. In fact, you tell yourself, nobody's entitled to my money. Well, quite all right. Nobody's entitled to your money, but it is not your money. It is God's money in your possession. So although nobody's entitled to it, but you are, you are, God is entitled to all of it. <laughs> you understand? And if God comes and says, um, give all of it, you, you, on the principle of stewardship, you have to give because it is not your money. All right. So it says by soul laboring, um, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is the irony of God's kingdom that, you know, when someone comes to, to give me money, for instance, what I, what I typically say is that, oh, God just blessed, someone just blessed me with $1,000. And I'm excited that, oh, yes, someone blessed me $1,000. And that's great that I've been blessed with $1,000. But from heaven's perspective, the person that gave me that $1,000 is more blessed than me that received the $1,000. And it is always the same the same when we give also, that when you give, you are more blessed. In the equation of heaven, the person that gives is more blessed than the person that receives. So let me tell you a secret and make it a point of duty in any relationship you, you are in, right? Relationship with your family members, relationship with your friends, relationship with your spouse, relationship with your children, relationship with your neighbors or anything. Be the first to give. Be the most to give. That is how the blessing of God operates, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, I was in a meeting one day, was in a minister's um, conference several years ago, um, and it was Bishop Oedipo that said something that, that it just was a rude awakening for me. He said, it is not what you get that makes you rich. It is what you give that makes you rich. And it's exactly what the scripture is saying, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That what really makes us prosperous financially, and, and for the context of this conversation is finances, right? So what makes us really prosperous financially is not what we get, it is what we give. Because once you give, you multiply um, from heaven's perspective, all right? And we're going to read a scripture soon, but let me just quote it. And it says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. Meaning the soul that is liberal, the soul that is generous shall be made fat. So if, if, if you want enlargement, all right, after you've dealt with the issue of, issue of contentment, the next thing is your giving. Make, put a system around your giving, all right? Let, let, what, let money not only come into your hand, but let it, let it flow out of your life as well, okay? All right, so with this few points of mind, I hope I've been able to convince you and not to confuse you that giving is very spiritual and is of God, all right? Um, I won't go to some few things to note about giving before we close, but um, let me ask first at this point, if we're following, are we together? 
um drop in the comments if you are yes, with sir. Me. okay thank you who else is with me let me see it in um the comment section um maybe you should type it's more blessed to give than to receive uh let me know we're all together just type in the comments it is more blessed to give than to receive it is more blessed to give than to receive. All right. So let me know if you're together. Just type that in quickly and then we move on to the um to a few things I wanted us to note <clears throat> about giving. All right. Thank you, Sam. I see your comments. More blessed to give than to receive. All right, please. For those of us on Mixel, I'm, I'm looking forward to your comments as well. Uh I would love to. No, we are all together in this. Okay, thank you, Brandon. So it's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, amazing. Okay, just a few things to, to note about giving. Um, because you know, there is an extreme, there can be extremes that people will take. Um, someone can come and say, Oh, well, Victor, we've just spoken about giving today. So all the money in my account, then just go and give, and then you give, and and in the expectation that you know, as I've given now. I've calculated it one week from now, God will bless me times 10 of what I've given. And so you give with that expectation. And after one week, nothing comes. I begin to say, ah, this message of giving is a lie. Your God is unfaithful. No, all right? So I want us to look at some things just to establish the you know wisdom and the principle around giving as well. Okay, thank you, Joy. Thank you, Idara on MixLR. I see your comments. Thank you very much. Okay, so first thing to just note is that giving kills greed and loss for money in our hearts. So right? one of the things that giving does is that it kills greed in our hearts. Remember that when God, when we started this conversation about finances, um, first thing we mentioned is that God is first and foremost after your hearts, not even any other, not any other thing. And God wants to stabilize the, um, the balances of your heart so that you are not tilted in the wrong direction. Okay, and one of the ways he does that is by instructing us to give or by establishing the principle of giving. So when you give, it kills greed in your heart. It kills the desire to it kills the desire to want to possess and own things. All right. Um, Rosemary, I see your hand up. Is that a question you want to ask? Um, or you want to just make a comment? You can type it in the um comments section first so that we'll take it, we'll take questions after um after this. All right. Okay, so God wants to kill that greed and that desire to keep owning and possessing things, which, by the way, is inherent in every single person, all right? Every, every human being has the tendency to want to own and, and keep amassing things, which is the uh, one of the flaws of our, of our, or the weaknesses of our flesh, all right? And so God has to deal with it. And to deal with it, God tells you to keep. So you must have noticed that maybe one you bought a very nice shoe one day, and let's assume you even save this money, save money to buy this shoe, and you were wearing this shoe, you wore this shoe to church on a Sunday because I mean Sunday service is where we wear like our new clothes. So you wore this shoe to church on Sunday, and we're walking proudly in, the, in those shoes, and you passed, you greeted a brother, and the moment you left that brother, God spoke to you and says, "Give that brother this shoe." Hey. It's almost like you get to ask yourself, why did I even wear this shoe to church in the first place? And you initially you are reluctant, you are you try to 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 say no, to say no, but eventually you're obliged and you keep. What that does in your heart is that 
it's, you know, the tendency to, the attachment you had to that shoe or to material things, God breaks that tendency in your heart. I, he doesn't do it once, by the way. He does it consistently. He does it consistent. He God sets you up in positions that you have to give. And many times in a in an uncomfortable time, meaning what you had is not even enough, but then you had to give, all right? And when you do that consistently, greed dies in your heart. You, you It kills, giving kills the greed in your heart, right? That part of your flesh that is alive, that you always want to keep something, keep something, you always want to have it. God kills it. And the way God does it is by giving, okay? So if you notice that it's been a while God is asking you to give or it's, it's been a while you gave, by your own self, go and submit yourself to the to God's clinic and say, God, um, there's something, I'm sure there's something wrong because I've not given and um, it seems like I've not been sensitive enough to your leadings to give and then let God give you direction on what to give, all right? But giving kills greed and giving kills um, lust in your heart. That's the lust for money, okay? Second thing is that giving declares God to be your source. And this is very powerful. Every time you give, whether you are paying your tithe, <clears throat> you are paying your offerings, you are giving to somebody or whatever nature the giving takes, whenever you give, you are declaring that God is your source. And this is the principle of abundance that once God is your source, then there's no limits to how much he can uh, release into your hands because you know that your job is not your source. Your parents are not your source. Um, your business is not your source, but God is your source. Every other thing can be a channel, but God is your source. So when you give, this is what you are declaring in the realm of the spirit that God is your source. And that's why the Bible says we should give from the first fruit of our increase. And that's the whole idea of the principle that when you get a job, for instance, your first salary belongs to God, all right? You give it to God. And what you are doing by, by, by giving is that you are declaring that this job, even though you, you did interview, you wrote exam and all of that, and you're happy to get this job, but this job is not your source, that God is your source. All right. So that's the second thing. Giving declares God as your source. Um, the third thing to note again, or I would love to just mention is that <clears throat> you don't need to wait till you have abundance before you give. You give from what you have. All right. And you know, I used to struggle with this personal, personal, you know, story now. I used to struggle with this when I was in university. I used to, you know, from second school to like first year in university, I used to think that and say, how will I give when I don't even have much? Maybe my salary, my, 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 what's it called now? My pocket money for the whole of the month was 5,000 Naira. And, and true story, this was it actually. My pocket money for the whole of the month was 5,000 Naira. And, and this was in university. And there was no way that was going to be sufficient for me. So I had to employ every management tactics I knew to make sure that money saw me through the whole of the month, which most times it never did. And so with these little resources, you are now still asking me to give. Like, how does it make sense? Because for now, 5,000, I, I first pay my tithe. Then I have to give offerings. And you still want me to give. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. But what I now learned later on was that you don't need to have abundance to give. That you start from where you are. And if you don't learn to give from little, you will never learn to give with much. You see, the thing with money is that it's, it's first the principle before the amount. The principle is giving before you even talk about the amount. And the person who doesn't learn to give 
from little will never learn to give with much. And the same thing too with, um, with being prudent with resources. If you don't learn to be prudent with little, you will never be prudent with much. So the issue is the principle, not even the amount, okay? So you don't need to wait. If at the level you are, what you can give is 100 Naira, then give the 100 Naira and in the sight of God, God doesn't measure the quantity before he looks at the value. He measures the sacrifice that goes with the giving. That's why when Jesus Christ was observing those putting their offering in the synagogue, he looked at a widow that dropped two, two coins and he said, this woman gave more than every other person because out of her lack, she gave. So heaven doesn't recognize quantity first. Heaven recognizes sacrifice before quantity, okay? So start from what you have. All right, and geek. Um, and just to point that, you know, the only thing is not, it's not only money you can give. There are several other things you can give, but just because we're talking about money, uh, that's why I'm zooming in on money. All right. So start with what you have and give and God will increase you. Proverbs chapter 11, where I read, let me read it out. Um, why I quoted rather earlier. Let me read it out to us. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. The book of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, sorry, let, let me read this from the New King James. Um, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. Okay, so the Bible says that there is one who scatters yet increases more. And this is just a, it's, Again, it's an irony, it's contradictory to the world system. There is one who scatters yet increases more. That means this person is giving, is giving, is giving, but he's increasing. You expect the money to finish or you expect his resources to deplete. But on the contrary, he's increasing more and more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. And I want to, I want to use the scripture to explain two things, right? The first part is there's one who scatters yet increases. And the second part of verse 24 says, there is one who withholds more than is right, but leads to poverty. So I'm going to come to the second part, but let me read verse 25. 25 says, the generous soul will be made rich, okay? And he who waters will also be watered. Um, the, the King James, old King James says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. So think about it. The liberal soul shall be made fat. That means the soul wasn't fat when it was liberal. It was lean when it was liberal, but it was liberal nonetheless. And it is the liberal soul that eventually became fat. Or putting it in today's context, the giver who doesn't have much will eventually have much. So you don't have to be, you don't have to have much to give. You just have to give. You just have to have the spirit or the heart of giving and then you eventually have abundance, okay? Now, back to the second thing I wanted to say in um, verse 24b. He says, there is, there is one who withholds more than is right. Um, another translation says, um, um, NET rather says, that New English translation says, one person is generous and yet grows more wealthy, but another person withholds more than he should and comes to poverty. My emphasis is that he says, withhold more than you should. Meaning that it is not every time you give everything that you have. And this is where also there has to be a balance that as much as we've talked about giving and giving is good, you can't 
everybody can't come to you for 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 needs and then you're just giving you're just giving today someone comes and says hey i don't have transport money please give me 2k you send 2k to a person other person comes and says ah you won't believe my my car just had flat tire I, the, the mechanic says it's 10,000. You say, ah, 10,000. Okay, take. Then that person, your, your, your colleague comes and says, Kai, you imagine that my, my landlord says, if I don't pay my rent, ah, and then you, you know, you have a soft heart. You say, how much is your rent? You say, my rent is 150,000. You say, Kai, okay, take 50,000. If you give to, if you give everything, you would not have at the end of the day. And we're going to come to like the wisdom and the balance for that. But just to say that, it is not, you know, just what the Bible says, anyone who withholds more than they should, meaning there's an amount you should withhold or there's what you should hold. But then the problem is with is holding more than you should. That's the person that tends to poverty. This already suggests to you that from your income or from whatever, however money comes into your hand, there should be a portion that should be designated for giving, while the rest of the portion should be designated for the things that you should you ought to do paying your bills, meeting your needs. If you have rent to pay and you go and distribute all the money, all in the name of being generous without God giving you that instruction. Yeah, there are edge cases where God specifically tells you to give. And this one, you have to be 100% sure you heard from God. So if God comes and tells you to give your house rent and you are 100% sure, no problem. That is God that gave, that, that gave the instruction. But when there is no instruction and people are just coming with needs and out of the softness of your heart, you are giving, 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 and then time for you to pay your rent and you don't have any money to give. And you start praying and say, God, what I gave, that is not wisdom at all. So the wisdom of God says, teaches us to um, mark a certain amount from our income. Remember that it's not about the amount, but it's about the heart and the sacrifice. So put a certain amount from your income to give, then you have the rest to um, pay your bills and settle and save and all of that, okay? So let's continue. The next thing I wanted to mention here is that <clears throat> our giving speaks for us in the courts of heaven, all right? Our giving speaks for us in the courts of heaven. And there are two examples I wouldn't read the scriptures now cause of time, but let me just put, let me tell you the, the places you can find them. Number one story is the story of Cornelius, right? In Acts chapter 10, um, the specific verse is from verse, is verse five, but you can start reading from verse one. Um, you know, the whole chapter is really about Cornelius. All right, so the issue with Cornelius, the, the story of Cornelius is that the angel came to Cornelius and said, your, your prayers and your arms giving or your giving of arms or your helping, all right, your giving basically has come up to heaven as a memorial. Now, Cornelius was not a believer yet in that sense. Um, they are not even received the Holy Ghost. They are not even received the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says that his prayer and his giving has ascended to heaven as a memorial. And this tells us how powerful and impactful our giving is that heaven bears record of our giving. And some of the decision that heaven makes concerning our lives is predicated upon our giving, upon what we have given to people. Our gift speaks on, on our behalf in, in, the, in the realms of the spirit, all right? So that's one example, Cornelius. Second example is um, Dorcas. 
you find that in Acts chapter 9, verse from verse 36 to 40, right? So Dorcas was a woman that, you know, helped widows. Then she she sold clothes for them because she was, that was her, her profession. She was a tailor. And uh, she sold clothes for a lot of widows. And for some reason, Dorcas died. And they called Peter. And when Peter came to pray for her, the widows showed Peter what Dorcas had done for them, showed Peter the clothes that Dorcas had sold for them. And I strongly believe that it was the tears of, of the widows plus the prayer of Peter's that brought that of Peter rather that brought Dockers back to life. Because heaven must have looked and said, This woman is an asset to us on earth. Because this woman is alive, we have hundreds of widows or tens of widows that have clothes to wear. If this woman dies today, so many widows will be clothed, we, we will be without clothes if she dies. And, and that's the way heaven looks at And I want to challenge you. Can heaven say that about you, that if this person, if you leave this earth today, some people, if you leave this earth right now, some people won't have food on their table. Some people won't be able to pay school fees. Some people won't be able to have clothes to eat. Or their children might not be able to have shoes to wear. Can heaven say that, is there a life on earth that your existence is sponsoring? And many times, like I said again, this is what heaven looks 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 at when um when when finances is discussed all right that is there anybody that your life is supporting on earth and if there isn't at this point then please please there should be whether it is family member or a stranger or whoever it is or or a cause of the kingdom that you know your finances is is put in towards there should be that because your your giving speaks volumes in the realms of the spirits all right now talking about giving um and just to put context because this is this we need a lot of wisdom all right to, to balance this and I'll, I'll probably end and okay with two, two things this and the next thing number back back to the issue of giving and how to how we need to balance it is this giving is super important i mean that's the whole essence of today's bible study but the bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice so in the sight of god your giving will not count if it is if it is outside of obedience. That's if it is if it is not done from a place of obedience. Now, when I say obedience, let me paint two scenarios. Number one is a scenario where God is directing you to give to a particular person or to a particular cause or give in a particular direction. Let's assume, um, let's say God is asking, leading me to give a particular amount of money. Let's assume. Um, there's 10,000 Naira I have earmarked for giving. And God lays in my heart to give that 10,000 10, Naira to a particular ministry, for instance, right? And then somebody comes to me and says, oh, Victor, I need to pay my house rent. And it's very urgent. Now, maybe this person is even my friend and I know this person. But God has always spoken to me to give to the church that 10,000 Naira. Now, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. What God honors is not just my giving, but my giving in obedience. So what I should do is give in the direction that God is leading me to give. Even though that, and, and in this case, my example, that will be given to that ministry. So even though this person still has a has, um, house rent um, that is very urgent and very important, it God has not, in, that, in this my example now, God is leading me to give to the ministry. And so I can't take the money that God is is... God has led me to give there to give to this person, all right? If for any reason I give to this person 
My giving is not recognized in heaven. Even though I have given, but heaven doesn't record my giving because it is not just giving that is important or it's not just sacrificing that's important. Important rather, it is obedience first and foremost. So um, obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay. Now, second scenario is that is that God, somebody comes to you and, you know, you, you, the person again has a very important need, but when you go to pray about it, God doesn't, God refrains you from giving. And by the way, <clears throat> it is very possible. God can refrain you from doing something that is actually good. Um, a good example is when Paul wanted, the first time Paul wanted to go to Asia, the Bible says that um, the Holy Ghost forbade them from going to Asia. They were going to preach. They were not going for vacation. They were going to preach the gospel, but the Holy Spirit forbade them from going to preach in Asia at that particular time. Um, fast forward some, some years later, they eventually went to Asia, all right? But at that particular instant, the Holy Ghost did not allow them. So it's possible that someone comes to you and, you know, ask for something or money or whatever it is, and God will not permit you to give. In that situation, remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't give to the detriment of your relationship with God, all right? And so in that kind of setting, it is a righteous thing not to give because God has refrained you from giving. Now, however, there are also setting or circumstances where there is no direct instruction from God. There's no specific, you know, instruction as it were from God. A need just arises and you are in a position to meet the need and um, your heart is inclined to doing so. Yes, by all means, feel free and do so, provided you're operating within the context of the wisdom of God. And what I mean here is, you are not giving money, for instance, that's supposed to be for your child's school fees. You are not taking it to go and give someone where there's no clear instruction, or you are not taking your house rent to go and give somebody where there's no clear instruction. If it's within the boundaries of what you can afford and there is no restraint in your spirit and it's a need you can meet, then by all means, go ahead and do so. All right, I hope that's, that really makes sense to us. Okay, then last thing I want to say is for to help you um, with your giving, plan it. Planning. I know we are very we are very charismatic many times, and we love spectacular, spontaneous things. So we love we when we when when we, people share testimonies um, like this. Testimonies, for instance, that say, you know, I already I wanted to buy a car, and then God came to me and said, give, and I just gave the money for my car, and God multiplied multiplied me, and we're excited, and that of course happens a lot. It happens. It has happened to several people. However, you don't need to wait till there's a spontaneous um, instruction before you give. The best thing to do is to factor in your giving as part of your normal budgets. So the same way you have your monthly budget to pay bills, to pay for electricity, for instance, to, um, to you're saving towards your rent, you're uh, paying for your fuel and all of that is part of your budget. Also, a mark a certain amount that you want to give or a certain percentage from your income that you want to give. You don't need to wait until they is a an instruction before you start giving let it be part of your lifestyle that and and of course you you know you discuss this with the holy ghost where you want to be giving towards maybe you're giving towards a ministry i, I just keep using ministry um because a very common example or you're giving towards an organization or you're giving maybe to a particular family you know that this family you know um they're struggling financially and you decide for a season that this is 
where you want to be giving, whatever it is you agree, you prayerfully decide on, factor it into your budget and let it be a system. Um, First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, just highlight something to us and we'll close. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, um, Paul was talking about, you know, the collections for the church and he said this, he says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by, lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there may, be, there may be gatherings when I come. So what Paul was saying here in essence was, um, and again, the context was that there was, you know, famine in Jerusalem and people, they, the church in Jerusalem was in need. And so Paul was soliciting from different churches and uh, in the different locations to put together, you know, resources and send to the church in Jerusalem. But Paul's direction and the wisdom of God here is that he said every Sunday, just put aside a certain amount according to what you have. You know, he said, according to how God has prospered you. So if God has prospered you to a hundred thousand year level, set aside what you can from that hundred thousand year. If God has prospered you to a 50,000 year level, set aside what you can from that amount and do it systematically. Let there be a system that governs your giving. And this is super, super important. All right. Okay. Let me end with something that I wrote here. God prospers the hands through which he can reach others. Let me take that again. God prospers the hands through which he can reach others. So my question to you today is, at the level you are with what you have and with the resources you have, can God reach somebody through you? You know, and, and let, me, let me just share, maybe end with a personal testimony to the glory of God. I remember when I was doing my NYC, my, 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 I mean, then NYC allowance was 19,800. 19, um, I was doing my NYC in a school. My salary was 10,000 Naira. And that one, they, they'll pay you in, they'll pay you cash. They will, on the day of salary, they'll count the money cash in your hand and give you, that's your salary. So I'll be in the bus going home with my, my whole salary. <laughs> that's to show you how plenty it was, you know? And I remember there was someone that, you know, reached out to me and the person needed to pay school fees and it was urgent. The deadline for that school for the payment was that day. And as God will have it, it was that day that they paid me my salary from, from my from where I was serving, from the school I was serving. So they paid me my 10,000 year cash and the person needed um, a little more than that. And I remember I went that day, cause it was impressed in my heart. I gave all that money, right? And even added extra on it and sent for the school fees. And Fast forward to today, I've seen myself pay school fees more than 30 times that amount. And I've just, it's just amazing how God has increased. And it wasn't because I didn't give that then because I had so much. I gave because I just knew this was God's system and um, of God's system of increasing us, you know. And um, it, was, it was in my heart to give. God, you know, laid in my heart to do so. And I've seen increase, you know, come to us several times. And, you know, my wife and I have the custom of, um, beginning of the year, we give a certain, um, we give, we do a sacrificial giving to God, you know, beginning of the year. And we typically do this during our, our churches of convention and all. So we agree on an amount to give. And that amount is typically a sacrifice. And for, for the past two years that we've been married, right, um, we've seen that God has really increased us. And as he has increased us, every year the sacrifice we keep giving will um, keep increasing, you know. So just saying that, God's system for us is giving. And I'm a pers personally, I'm a testimony to the power and impact of giving in a person's life. So as we're talking about the wisdom for finances, all right, giving is one of such wisdom. 
Contentment is the first thing we looked at, right? Where your heart is not moved uh, by, by the presence or the absence of money. But the second thing also, and closely related to that, is giving. Can God trust you with resources that if you put this money in your hand that is meant for your neighbor, that the money will reach that your neighbor, you won't eat the money that God was passing through your hands to your neighbor. Can he trust you in that kind of way? And I hope he can, all right? Okay, so um, let's say a word of prayer first before we take questions. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for, um, for your word today. We thank you for the things you have taught us and um, you've instructed our hearts. Maybe you have even nudged us and you've highlighted your speakings in our hearts concerning giving. Today, we ask for your grace to be faithful stewards of the resources you entrust into our hands. That whenever you lead us to give, we will give. Whenever you prompt us, we will do so in the name of Jesus Christ. That resources will flow generously through our hands as your wisdom dictates in the name of Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone struggling in their hearts with, you know, giving, I ask, oh Lord, that you strengthen their hearts to give in the name of Jesus Christ. And I break the hold of, of greed and the grip of, um, of lust on resources that they have in their heart. I break that grip in the name of Jesus Christ. That just as God gave the world, just as God loved the world and he gave his son, so also we give because we have the love of God in our hearts. Thank you, everlasting Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, I, I have spent like more time than we should, so we do not have so much time for questions and feedback, right? So I'm just going to take uh, three quick questions or contributions that anybody may have. Um, if you're on Mixeller, you have a question or, or a, a thought that you think would contribute to everything we shared, please feel free to type it in. Um, if you're on Zoom, you can just unmute your mic and ask your question or share your, your learning point, like what's something you learned from today's Bible study. Also, maybe something, a tip that has helped you in your giving, you can also share it with us um, and we'll be very, very grateful to, to add that to our wisdom bank. All right, so let's do that quickly so we can close in the next five minutes. Um, just something you learned today you want to share with us that has blessed you, please feel free to do so. Or if you do have a question, uh, maybe a particular context that you need clarity on, um, please feel free to ask that. Or if you want to share with us one of the you know giving strategies or one of the helpful things you do around giving that um, you that you've practiced, please feel free to do so <clears throat> today. All right, we just have five minutes so we can close quickly. We're far past time. So if you're speaking of kindly do so, um, those of us on, mix, on Zoom, feel free to unmute your mic and speak. I am gonna call volunteers if I do not, if nobody volunteers themselves. Um, let me call Brad Silas. What's something that you've learned today that um, has, that you're either going back with or a, yeah, something that has, has been a blessing to you from today's teaching? Are you there, Brad Silas? Uh, you're muted just in case you're speaking. 
Okay, while he's trying to unmute, um, um, Rosemary, can you share with us something that's, okay, he just typed in your learning. Okay, let me read it out for us. So Rosemary says, giving brings blessings back to you. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Will men put into your laps? Amazing. And funny, funny thing that this was part of my scripture. I do not know how I missed it. But yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, giving brings back to you. Absolutely correct. Um, anyone on Mixeller? I haven't seen our comments yet. Uh, what's something that you learned today or a question? Or what is one of the helpful tips or tricks, if, you, if I may put that way, that you employ to support your giving? Okay, Joy dropped in on Mixeller that um, giving helps me acknowledge God as my source. That is amazing and that is true. Giving helps me acknowledge God as my source. Fantastic. All right, anyone else? Um, just maybe one more person. One more person, one more person. What is something you have learned um, that you are going back with? Okay. All right, no other person. All right, that's fine. Um, so yeah, that's it on giving. And we have one more thing we want to look at, which will take, not next week, because next week is, oh, hold on, is that next week? Um, let me check, confirm the dates, please. Okay, no, no, next week is our last Bible study, so we don't take that. Um, so last Bible study of the month, sorry. So we don't, that'll be a prayer session. Um, so we'll take it the next two Bible studies. And what, what we want to look at is financial prudence. And this is where we are going to shake a lot of tables, all right? Because people think that God is not, God doesn't observe the way they spend money. And so they just want to spend money anyhow. Afterwards, my money, I spend anyhow. But like I mentioned, if you have that mindset of, of a financial steward, then you know that you can't be careless with your spending, all right? So we're going to deal with um, a lot of practical things like budgeting, saving, um, you know, expenses and all of that. So that would be two weeks from now. But next week is, our, is the last Tuesday of the month. And as our custom is, we'll dedicate that to prayer and we'll just spend time in prayers for that, all right? So we're going to do that last, ne sorry, next Tuesday. And I look forward to everyone being a part of it.